So should we talk creators and crypto and communities? I feel like we were totally blasted off the face of the planet when we had this three-way conversation a year ago at this point. What are the big developments since then? The, the thing I like about this trifecta here is that Blake is the, the one of us who doesn't spend like 100% of their time in crypto. And so I'm actually curious to hear from Blake, from your perspective, what has happened? Because I, I think I'm a little brain damaged in terms of my read. It's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what it was, but I'm sure you both have a perspective on when NFTs like really broke through. I think the last time we talked, all of us were just sitting here of like, what does it look like for, I don't know, showing like status symbols of you were early to a creator or you want to support a creator. And we talked a lot about those pieces. I think even if we look back, there was like a piece around like, what does digital merch look like? And it turns out like it was actually just digital art. And so we were, we were like weirdly close to that. You can take a cynical view and be like, it's pure hype. You're buying a random NFT. It'll have no utility or whatever. But like, as I continue to dig and, and I'm the least sophisticated in crypto here, but like as I continue to dig, it's like, there are some really cool elements around this, mainly around this idea that you can like create economic alignment and really create that piece of if someone buys this, they're now have ownership and maybe like your future, like as, as a creator and therefore you want to support them. I started to dabble a little bit into like DAOs and what that world means. NFTs are really the main thing that I've broken through from my perspective. And there's now starting to be like, okay, what does this actually mean? I occasionally see like social tokens thrown around as like this other piece. We also probably like hinted to back in the day when we were talking about how certain creators were creating coins for themselves. And now that's become much more real. So that's at least my perspective. I don't, I don't know how you two have viewed it because again, you guys are way more deep than I am. I think that that covers it well, high level. I have a sort of distilled version of it that I've talked about before, I think, where I think like what happened in the last year was there's sort of like three big inflection points, some unique to crypto, others more general. The first one is that 2021 is the year that investing became mainstream culture. And that wasn't unique to crypto, but it was, you know, Wall Street bets, GameStop, right? That was an important moment because I think it taught people a lot about investing. It taught people a lot about internet communities and making money together. And that, I think, paved the way for the second major inflection point, which was culture then became investing with NFTs. Like you could now invest in culture, in digital art. And, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. And then the next step, I think, is the complete synthesis of the two. That's where investing in culture and culture is investing, but just is a team sport that you play with your friends on the internet. And, and that's like totally normal. What's exciting is people now understand like crypto is the right stack for doing that. It's just so much easier to play that team sport with your friends using crypto because crypto is inherently social. The legacy financial system is not. I want to come back to that thought and where that leads us in a second. Blake, how have the traditional creators looked at this whole phenomenon? Like, how do you see them responding? You know, we've seen a couple of different approaches so far, whether that's Logan Paul or, you know, Gary Vee sounds like he's launching stuff as NFTs. The thing that gets me the most excited is if we've learned anything over the past like year or two, it's like more and more power towards these creators is just happening. Like the, there's more and more power to the individual and these individuals carry so much 
power on their own. And when they have distribution, let's use OnlyFans as, as an example. Like we've seen that just blow up because it unlocked a new like way of monetization. I think we're going to see that happen here with NFTs. And we already have on um, like a pure artist form, but I think you're going to see it on like the creator side as well, where it's like, hey, do you want to support me? My content's still going to be out there freely, but like the biggest fans will figure out a way to like really be aligned and be bought into that world. We haven't seen a, a big creator really nail it yet. And I'm curious to see if and how someone will do it, because if they do it right, there is no limit. Imagine if it's an individual and like we all are now coming together and be like, this individual is going to be the biggest creator in the world. And we all have economic upside in that. That's really cool to me. Yeah, one, one really cool thing that, that started to happen is we started to see collector DAOs form mm. around NFTs. Edward Snowden sold an NFT for $5 million. The purchaser was not an individual, but a group of people who pooled money using a smart contract on Ethereum. And so it's, it's sort of like this investment club that spawned on the internet. And that's, you know, plays to this idea of like investing as a team sport with your friends. I think what we'll start to see happen is groups like that will start to tokenize themselves. And so now you have this group of fans of a work who create a token for that work. And that may function like a social token for the creator or for the community that's excited by the stuff that they make. One possibility is maybe the creators aren't the issuers out of the gate. Maybe the, the fans sort of like take it into their own hands. And mm. that's how social tokens get off the ground. I think as the tools for people to form these sort of investment clubs become more readily accessible, it's gonna that's gonna really explode. That that's super interesting to think about. I hadn't really thought about it in that context, but you can imagine Justin Bieber fans. If you win the bid of like, hey, I just bought the NFT of Justin Bieber's newest song and like Belieber's whatever is the DAO that, that won, you can imagine that actually becomes a publicity side of like, okay, this is now the de facto place to go. If you are a, a Belieber, you're like, okay, I'm not part of this group and I should join that group because they own all of the like best collections within this world. It's sort of like the most decentralized way a social community could form in that the, the creator is not like the, the sole issuer. It's, it's the fans, the people like coming together on the internet to make it happen. So it's like built and operated by the fans as opposed to the creator. And then the creator can come along and sort of add legitimacy to it later. Jess, did you have intuitions around what other ways multiplayer investing might look like or investing as a team sport, as you put it? I think if you play that idea out to its logical extreme, it puts both you and me out of a job. Where investment clubs sort of go, I think, is they end up dictating what people pay attention to on the internet, because no longer is it who has the most retweets or who has the most attention. Rather, it's like who has the most skin in the game, who paid or you know invested in what is what dictates which NFTs people look at, which NFTs get headlines. I think that'll expand from NFTs to internet products and services. So if you think of like an app like Clubhouse, they were backed by A16Z. I think A16Z played a, you know, a large role in, in getting them distribution, like getting their network to sign up early and, and become advocates and, and hosts of chat rooms on the app. In the future, you'll get that distribution, not from your venture investor, but from these investment clubs which could be internet scale and size. I think in NFTs are a really nice wedge because 
it, it plays into the strengths of internet communities today, which is in investing in this new asset class, which is culture. And frankly, like I would mark that as a success for the variant thesis, which is that you know all the next generation platforms will be built, operated, and owned by their users, as opposed to you know VCs. And we already see some examples of this today. Like you could argue that the modern art market works like this today. I was walking around the Lower East Side in New York last night and like looking at some of the small art galleries. And my thought is like, why is this artist not known and other artists are known? And there are a whole variety of reasons for that. But if you were to do a sort and these things self-reinforce in both directions, the economic backing of an artist tends to mean that it rises to the top in terms of cultural awareness. Crypto might create the really strong form of that and beyond just what we think about as art. Totally. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's a really good analogy. And it's, it's, it's like, what's at the top of the newsfeed, basically? Exactly. It, it's not It's not upvotes. It's like, who put money in it? And And I think... This actually makes me think of a lot of stuff Balaji has has popularized, you know, around a, a shift in information diet from what is the most clickbaity headline to to what is the what is the truth, what is the most valuable information. You can actually start to measure that as a function of of what people actually invest in. I was I was younger at that time, but I remember that there were these sites where like you basically had to earn some type of reputation of like either you uploaded a certain amount or like you proved your your worth in some way to like get into these exclusive torrenting sites or whatever like i imagine that we will see like similar dynamics here happen with DAOs as well is that how you're thinking about it like where if you prove that you are a good enough like independent investor that then gets you access into these worlds i i definitely think membership in in these DAOs will become more sophisticated right now. I think for the most part, it's just capital, right? You contribute capital, you become a member, but you coordinate around using the capital to, to invest in something. But I think you could imagine to keep the quality bar high and the community sort of fun, it will have to be more than capital. Like VCs have to offer more services to their portfolio. You could imagine like having to prove that you were early on some creators dropped in order to be part of the club that goes and buys their most prized work just to keep the quality bar high. There's a number of startups that are trying to essentially help crypto communities raise the bar for their membership generally, creating scavenger hunts or Easter eggs that people need to find. So I think that's very early and people who focus on Web2 communities probably understand that moderating that is is a very difficult challenge. I feel like Web3 hasn't quite got there yet, but we will get there. You can see this in venture investing already today. It's just not tokenized. In other words, if you're early in investing in one or two startups, then others are likely to want you to have access to invest in their startups early. It's kind of a a reputational flywheel. And we might just see that go on chain in a more open and recorded way, or perhaps even programmatic in some cases. The DAO that bought the Edward Snowden piece was called Pleaser DAO. And they had bought one piece prior to that, which was this original artwork created for Uniswap, the exchange, by People Pleaser. Now that they bought these two high-profile pieces, you know, to Fred's point, will that compound? Will they become like the, the the biggest art gallery in crypto because they were early? It will depend on them continuing to have good taste. But in a sense, their brand now is like the masthead for any creator whose work ends up in their collection. 
Yeah, yes. they can also king make in a lot of ways where having these people involved becomes such a signal like in and of itself. And you can imagine, you know, if we want to go really deep where depending on what platform that's actually sold on, the person selling that could like say, hey, we actually want to sell to Pleaser because even though they're not the highest bid, because we know that there there's just a lot of value in, in working with them. In the same way, someone might choose a venture investor despite them not having the best term sheet or highest valuation because they want to work with them and believe that there's benefits of working with them. Yes. And you can see that in the in the modern art market already where there's strong price discrimination, where people who are seen as good brands and buying works, whether it's museums or individuals who are seeing seen as having good taste are able to effectively buy at a discount because it's seen as increasing the value of the portfolio or of the work otherwise. It seems like that that is sort of a sustainable brand advantage in some sense for some of these groups. And we're already seeing the derivative effects occur. If you owned a early CryptoPunk, now we're seeing the 3D CryptoPunks roll out and special access be given to the original CryptoPunk holders. It feels like that behavior is just at the beginning. Jesse, I think one thing that you mentioned earlier that I, I want to go back to is just how much entertainment and investing are becoming part of the same package. I think Wall Street Bets was a great example of that, where it sort of combined desire for purpose and community with potential for financial gain. Crypto has a little bit of that feeling. I feel like even in the venture space, you can see it with angel investors, where I think a lot of people see being a technology angel investor as a status symbol as much or even more so than it is a place to make economic gains. And I suspect that we'll continue to, to see that fill out. It's funny to watch this occur in different asset classes, like in sneakers, it started mostly as a status symbol, and now it's making its way towards being financialized. The the Yeezys that Kanye wore, I think during the Grammys, were purchased and now are being sliced up such that many people can invest in them. So it, it feels like this theme of entertainment and economics fusing is happening a bunch of places. Like I would argue this is true of politics. You tune into an election debate and it feels like you're watching a boxing match with sports commentary as much or more than like what is the substantive outcome for the future of a nation state and its policies. And perhaps it's just that technology has enabled all sorts of ways to bring entertainment to all these important pieces of infrastructure in society. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I guess maybe it would add it's like especially potent combination in markets because, yeah, sort of make, making money or, or having or losing money, having skin in the game either way, elicits like very powerful emotions. It's so, emotionally activating, which exactly. is key for engagement. Fred's talked about this before, where if someone tweets out Bitcoin, the response <laughs> that you get is is insane. And it's mainly because the people who are like financially invested are like, okay, now we, we have to like go and, and make sure this message gets heard by everyone because this other person co-signed it or, or put it out there. And I think we haven't really had that. Like we have it in some pockets within the creator space where there's just diehard stands of certain people. And when they tweet, they respond and they're there. But you can imagine there's a multiplier on that when there's actually like economic incentive of like, okay, now this goes way beyond like me just showing my fandom. Like I can actually now get real upside in that, which is awesome. You would hope as a creator that your biggest fans can actually 
have real careers by being your biggest fans. That's a dream state, I think, for a lot of people, which is awesome. Yeah, we talked about this before, where coupling economic alignment with these communities around different creators or projects just effectively turns them into highly motivated distribution. Bitcoin has shown that for 10 years now. And I think we're just starting to see that in the NFT space. The problem with some of these one-of-one NFTs is like there's one owner, so it's only an army of one as a voice. CryptoPunks, I think, has broken outside of that a little bit in the sense of there's many of them. You have many evangelists, and all of a sudden, they're this distributed megaphone for the project. This actually happened in a small way with BTS, the K-pop group, where I think their record label has tradable equity in Korea. And a bunch of fans basically just YOLO bought it because they love BTS independent of the financial underpinning of the business. So that that was one kind of early glimpse into what might be this sort of distributed fan megaphone for anything they own that's aligned with the creators they love. You both have a view from deep in crypto, but like I, I'm thinking about it from like a lens of a YouTube creator because I imagine at some point they should just create NFTs or mint NFTs for all of the content that they're, they're producing and that should be sellable. But do you think they'll still use centralized platforms as distribution to maybe have that be a place of where it accrues value over time? I think we know where we're going long run, which is that crypto allows creators to directly interface and own their followings independent of any platform crypto kind of is the single social graph of record in that sense i think what will be interesting especially now that we're just at the beginning of nfts is to see people build out native platforms to nfts and I think we're in year 0.5 of 10 plus years of that, where NFTs just became relevant. So of course, there are no platforms, or almost no platforms that make use of NFTs. There's a path dependency in building the applications. Of course, you wouldn't build an application if the underlying building block, the NFT, nobody cares about. So I think we'll see a lot of that, and that will accelerate a lot over the coming years. Your specific question around existing centralized platforms is an interesting one. I'm not exactly sure what will happen there. I can imagine there might be a lot of bootstrapping off of existing centralized platforms. I know that that's been tried in the social media web 2.0 space a lot, mostly without success, I think. I could see crypto being different because it's a totally different paradigm. You're moving into this world in which creators directly own their fan base and then can use that, or it's not even the creators, anybody in open community could start building applications to make use of the tokens and the social graph that the creator has started to bootstrap. So I think there probably will be some like weird, messy experiments in that space. And then ultimately where we're going are these totally crypto native platforms that just build on NFTs as the primary building block and first class citizen. I would maybe add that in, in the short term, I think the successful Web2 creators are likely to do better creating NFTs that are not the original work that they're posting elsewhere, but rather thinking of NFTs sort of from first principles, maybe as a new kind of like digitally native merch. Yes. That's distinct from the YouTube video. I, I do agree with Fred that long run, I think every single piece of media on the internet is going to be incepted as an NFT. 
and there will be markets for it. I, I don't think we get there by YouTube just slapping on an NFT widget to, to their existing platform. I think it, it will be more sort of bottom-up emergent. To take that even further, one concept embedded in this is that blockchains will be the single source of truth for anything in digital worlds. So quite literally, every piece of digital media will likely be minted at some point in time, whether it's because you want to see when it was originally created, who owned it, how it morphed over time. That might be true of like a Google Doc <laughs> in the same way it's true of a song or a piece of art, which is mostly how we relate to NFTs today. The second thing embedded in that is we're very early in the form factor for NFTs, and there will be many that work. I think we're mostly in a shoehorning phase today, like the beginning of any new technology. And I think we're just starting to play with some of the interesting ways in which NFTs can create novel forms of media art or otherwise. And I think that's where things get really interesting. It's sort of in the same way at the beginning of the internet, people thought, oh, like let's put Time Magazine on the internet. Like that was a big deal. The really big deal was the uniquely enabled behaviors like Wikipedia. And I think the NFT space will go through a similar transformation and it will just take time for people to experiment and think of new form factors. I think we see a little bit of that today, like CryptoKitties breeding, you could argue was one of the earliest versions of this, kind of this novel mechanic where you take two digital assets and then you create a new unique one. I'm sure there will be others. I'm trying to think what else. There was an, an MMO called Farsight that got announced the other day where Oh God, what was the really famous spaceship MMO with a huge in-game economy? Is that Far Cry? Yeah, it'll come. Oh, EVE Online. Yes, yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, It's I basically remember. EVE Online, <laughs> but like with a crypto economy. And P like ships are NFTs and all, all sorts of weird stuff, I'm sure, will, will happen. I mean, like Uniswap will probably be even used in these in-game economies, right? Like DeFi. And, and NFTs and games are going to merge in all these funny ways. I mean, Tim Sweeney, the founder of Epic Games, is on record talking about the metaverse as, as something that can only exist once you have a, a truly digitally native property rights system. And certainly blockchains are, are exactly that. And we're now starting to see the collision, I think, of, of the metaverse and gaming worlds and virtual assets and then crypto native assets. I think the, the the synthesis of these two things is is inevitable and and will happen sooner than people think. Yeah, I think Tim really gets it. We had a conversation I think in 2017 at Juan Benet's house, the Filecoin founder, on exactly this topic. I think he he sees it quite clear. There's a really good recent podcast of his actually, where he just talks about what is the infrastructure that would be necessary for the metaverse, and he explicitly talks about Ethereum in parts of it and crypto more broadly. But if you listen to the whole thing, it's just like, especially as somebody who's been drinking the Kool-Aid for 10 years on crypto, you just, like every statement is like red light flashing. This is crypto. This is crypto in kind of a great way. I think gaming, you know, specifically has, has these issues. These centralized platforms really do own it. So it's not shocking that they understand it probably better than most because especially users are like, what? I bought this skin and I can't transfer that into another game or I can't trade that or all of that I think will, will come to life. And that feels inevitable at this point. I think one thing that might be underappreciated is how much kids have grown up in these virtual worlds already. So these ideas might just be a lot more intuitive or normal. I count myself as lucky in having spent 
thousands of hours in World of Warcraft as a kid. So like these ideas just make sense to me. It's weird that it doesn't exist already, especially with like all of the financial mainstreaming that you mentioned at the beginning, Jesse, it feels like all the ingredients are in the water. Like kids growing up in virtual worlds, kids understanding finance, kids super into like creating their own culture and being a part of that more and more directly in any way they can. Feels pretty clear what comes out of that. I think one of the, the really remarkable things about what's happened since our last discussion is that in addition to kids who are sort of like native to uh, crypto or native to gaming. I think over the last year, a lot of other people also showed up at the door of crypto and learned the sort of behaviors that were only six months ago or 12 months ago considered like completely esoteric, like installing a crypto wallet in your browser on your phone and the concept of signing transactions and paying gas fees. These are things that Web2 people sort of sneered at and were like, people are never going to do that. Yet millions of people have figured it out over the last little while. And I think that's a testament to, you know, people will jump through all kinds of hoops if they think they can make money by doing it. And so it's not to say like, this is how it will always be. It, it will become more of a, a seamless user experience for everyone else. But it is notable that like the early part of the early majority has shown up and sort of met crypto where it's at. And that's been to the benefit of all the people for whom it was native first. So again, I mean, keep coming back to this point, it pays to be early. But, you know, what kids do nights and weekends, what developers do nights and weekends, like everyone else can learn to do in time. Yeah, I mean, you look at MetaMask, they announced 5 million monthly active users the other day. That's mm -hmm. starting to get pretty real. And even some of these experiences like Top Shot, where people debate how much is that really, really crypto versus not the, the answer. I think on some level, it's just it's normalizing the whole thing. Top Shot meaning like the abstraction of all this stuff I mentioned, right? Like key custody and gas. I think that that's where it ultimately goes, but it is interesting how it seems like some people have gravitated towards the full crypto experience, like all the jankiness included because it's the real thing. And it'd be interesting to see how in a year from now, where that conversation is at, whether people want the abstraction or they want some sense of really owning their stuff and having it go with them wherever they interact. Especially as the tools get better and composability within open ecosystems compounds, you can imagine it changes how people view the experience they'd like to have. You both have a better insight here, but like my, my gut says like these worlds will blend really quickly as far as this abstraction goes. Like you have to hope that like it doesn't stay nearly as high or like uh, as difficult. And so like at some points, like, you know what, maybe what Topshot offers or the, the experience of buying with fiat right through there, like that just becomes a norm throughout. But it goes back to like more of a crypto native, like you now actually have more access to your the stuff that you own. And so like, that's my like goal or hope is like that that happens because when that happens, it feels like, okay, now you, you sort of unlock. I, I heard someone frame it as like right now we're in like the dial up phase of the internet and specifically for crypto. And it's like, you know, you think about the early days of the internet and having to deal with all that. And, you know, once it just becomes accessible to everyone, there's just, again, multipliers on all of this. I think one other dimension of this that people might underappreciate is how automated, I don't even know if jobs are the right word, but getting paid for various actions on the internet might become as crypto proliferates. 
So just to take a simple example, and some people might view this as slightly black mirror. At the moment, if you're an influencer on Instagram, you do various paid partnerships. There's some out of band process where you have to like deal with the partnerships team at L'Oreal or whoever, sign some contract and you do these very particular paid promotional photos. In the future, it might just be you take a picture with a product in it, irrespective of whether or not you meant to. Images scan, you just get paid automatically. Or like if you have good taste or outsized outreach and you buy something or promote it in some way, that's just like what you do. It's fun. You're just like a meme generator. There's just like money in your crypto wallet that automatically flows in based on the activity that you generate. If you're a software engineer and you contribute code to some crypto protocol, the very same thing may happen. There's no employment agreement. Perhaps there's some performance of the protocol that's increased based on your work and money shows up in your crypto wallet. One mind blower idea that I heard somebody describe the other day, which is kind of obvious when it's said, but I hadn't fully gotten there in my own mind is at some point, kids are just going to stop opening bank accounts. They're just going to have a crypto wallet. It's so much better. It's just like, here's a little downloadable widget and it works with everything on the internet. I just went through this process of of opening a new bank account and it was like, you know, the first time I've done it in in like five years and I was just like dumbfounded. I, I was tweeting about this, how like it is one of the worst consumer product experiences, period. And crypto is so many orders magnitude better. I think in two to three years, the, the rate of new bank account openings is just going to hit a wall while crypto is going to look like mobile in the early 2000s. It's just up and to the right for years and years and years. The other piece that we haven't really even talked about it is just what wallets can unlock in the context of where you store your fandom. If you hold this token or you hold this NFT, you then get access to certain things. So like in a crypto context, everything is, is an API and like your data can be stored with you and you can share your friend graph if you want to for certain applications. Not even in the context of just having your money stored in your wallet, but just like your actual identity on the internet. Like this is really empowering in a lot of ways. And like having full control over what you actually share, what you opt in, or if you want to make your experience better, that's where it gets really trippy for me. I think people have not yet internalized that crypto or blockchains will be the single source of truth for everything in your digital life. And your digital life is effectively becoming your whole life. And that includes bank account, reputation, identity, all the form factors that mash up some of all three of those. One closing thought, there were some ideas we talked about a year ago that haven't happened yet, which I think are worth bringing up. Not to say that they failed, but maybe to say that they're still on the table. One that comes to mind is tokenizing physical goods. And Blake, I know this is something you thought about a bunch. We talked about that and and how it, it ended up being that, you know, digitally native goods ended up being the things that that got tokenized and found success in the marketplace. We talked also about social tokens and how we're still trying to figure out product market fit around those. Was there anything else, any other ideas that haven't seen their moment in the, in the spotlight yet? Not that I can remember. Maybe quickly, we should just do predictions on those two ideas one year forward. What do you guys think? So I believe tokenizing physical goods is definitely going to happen. I think the logistics of it are sort of a gaining item in that like the logistics of the physical world are still not 
entirely wired up to, to the blockchain yet. It's happening slowly but surely. I think the time scale may be more than a year out, but I'd love to be pleasantly surprised by that. And then on social tokens, I'll refer back to the idea floated earlier that I think the way they'll come to fruition is essentially through these investment clubs, buying NFTs from creators and then creating communities around those NFTs wherein the community token or access to that community ends up becoming something akin to a social token for the creator. And I think that will happen or is happening right now. I, I, I think on the social token piece, I don't have like a concrete way of how it will happen, but I think at some point you, you airdrop tokens to your fans as like, hey, the first thousand people that tweet out this link with their wallet get tokens. Just imagine that that happens over X number of times. And you now have a community where like, if you hold this token, you can get access to certain things. And maybe that becomes a direct line of communication. Maybe that becomes like early access to videos. You can imagine that then maybe they just buy into that. They're like, look, I, I keep missing the first 500 people to tweet it out. So I can also buy it on the secondary market. I think that's where stuff gets really interesting. What you talked about with the fan club stuff is awesome. I think the physical good stuff is, it is really limited to the logistics side of it. That gives me a little bit of pause, but I think the it does feel inevitable that at some point you can just own a fraction of a Yeezy. That just seems like it, it's going to be a no-brainer. I think like Zora 1.0 or like, you know, that initial version of Zora was actually brilliant. It was likely just too early, but I think someone will nail that in the context of Unisox and someone will create something there. The piece that like is interesting to me is Unisox isn't like that big of a logistics nightmare because, you know, what, it's like 500 pairs and it's like a you know, worst case scenario, you're just like storing that in the vault, but like you you can imagine when it's like tens of thousands or millions of things, you're like, am I just going to store this in a, a warehouse for however long? Because most of those transactions are actually happening like digitally. I, I don't know what the mechanism is to like get people to pay for your storage fees. And that will be an interesting element too. Tokenizing physical goods. I think it will be like web van in the early internet where it's not the thing that's going to work first, but it will work later there will be an Amazon and an Instacart. And I think we'll see people try that idea again pretty soon. I think Unisox was a pretty good singular proof point of the power of the idea. And then it will take a few years for it to go more mainstream. Social tokens, I'm super high conviction on <laughs> uh, still. And Jesse, I think you, you paint a pretty plausible picture on how it will play out. Cool. I'm very excited about both ideas, but I think social tokens in particular this year are going to be the next big headline grabber after NFTs. Great. Strong, right? This is fun. Like awesome. this has been a, yeah, this has been a great conversation. Okay. See you guys. All right. Wait. See you guys.